It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to the good news with Angie Austin. Now, with the good news, here's Angie. Hey friend, Angie Austin here with the good news. Really excited to have Chris Sasser on the show. He wrote the book Bags, Helping Your Kids Lighten the Load. And this is so perfect for us right now as we have three teenagers in the house, a household of six and three pets, making us nine. And uh, in the next segment, I'm going to talk a little bit too about uh, how to, uh, how yelling, why yelling doesn't work with your kids. So uh, now let's talk about bags, helping your kids lighten the load. Love that you have a backpack right on the front, Chris, because my kids take one of those to high school every day. Welcome. Well, thank you, Angie. Glad to be here. Appreciate your time. All right. Let's talk about, you know, you kind of talk about, um, you know, raising kids to live emotionally, relationally, and spiritually healthy lives. So give us an overview of what you teach us in the book. Well, one of the things that I have realized years ago, you know, I've, I've been a long time um, kind of youth and family ministry pastor, so obviously been around lots of teenagers all my life. And, and what I know is that kids are kind of growing up today under so much pressure, oh. and I think they're packing and carrying with them some tremendous emotional baggage, and they just have no idea how to deal with it. And, and as we know as adults, this baggage can weigh you down for a lifetime. It keeps you from living lives that are mentally and emotionally and relational and spiritually healthy, and, and you know, these bags can follow us into our adult lives. But what I believe and what I've learned through this process of writing this book is that as parents, we, we are uniquely positioned to be able to pay attention to the bags that our kids might be packing. And I believe that if we do some things kind of intentionally along the way, I kind of say it, you know, between the age of five and 25, if we pay attention to some things that are going along with our kids, we can help them get to their young adult years and just have a lighter load. I'm not naive enough to think that any of us can, you know, not pack some emotional baggage, but I just want my kids to get to their young adult years and just not have quite the heavy load to carry. So that's, that's the idea behind the book. I uh, did a lot of research for it, kind of looked back at my years of ministry experience, did a bunch of focus groups with college students and young adults, and, and really just heard about their baggage. So I'm curious, before we get to how to raise them properly, I'm very interested in knowing about the focus groups and what the uh, college students and young adults told you could have been better, or what scars they've taken from their childhood as baggage into their young adulthood. Well, I'll tell you kind of where the concept started from, because it was kind of some, some early focus groups that, that weren't even really designed to be focus groups. So the, the idea came from, um, like I said, I'm a longtime youth pastor, been in family ministry, and, and about 10 or so years into my ministry career, uh, kids who had been a part of our church and a part of our youth group, you know, were getting older and they were going to get married. And so they, they said, hey, youth pastor, we're, you know, we like you, can you be the officiant at our wedding? And so, of course, I said yes to that. And my wife and I had this premarital process that we would take young couples through. And oftentimes it was one, one person that we knew through our church and youth group, and they had met their future spouse in college or, or a little bit later. Sometimes we knew both of them because they had been a part of the church, but we would have them to our house for dinner. And we would say, hey, act like you don't know us and give us your, your life story, your faith story, and your family story. Wow. And Angie, these young adults would un 
load on us and really essentially tell us about, you know, some things that we knew, some things that we didn't know. And of course, the next you know five or six weeks of the premarital counseling process is helping them to kind of unpack all this baggage. But I remember early, I would look at my wife when they would leave and I would say, honey, like I'm almost sad because they have so much of this emotional baggage. They have no idea what to do with it. Mm. And that's where the idea came from. And I, I'm just a diehard optimist. Some, me too. Uh, different, one, one friend of mine has called me stupidly optimistic. Ah. And so I just started thinking, because our kids were, were young at that point, like, like what, what, if, what if I knew the common bags that kids pack kind of along the way? And what if I could get our kids to their young adult years? Because, you know, the joke with all parents is, like, what are my kids going to be saying when they're in counseling, when they're in their 20s? And so um, I started thinking about it, noodling on it, writing a little bit about it. And then I just started having focus groups with college students and young adults. And I would say, hey, here's the idea. I know you're packing some bags and they quickly understood the concept that it wasn't foreign to them at all. Tell me about your bags. And this was a few years kind of into the premarital. And so I was still doing some premarital with some couples, but these were very specific focus groups with these college students and young adults. And, and Angie, they, a lot of the same things that I had kind of observed over years and years of ministry kept coming out with these kids and their, you know, things about their relationships and things about the pressure they feel to perform and how they play the comparison game in life. And all of it leads to the anxiety and depression that these kids are just so stuck in nowadays. And so I probably at this point have talked to several hundred kids in, in targeted uh, focus groups about this, um, as well as just kind of my ministry experience, because I've been in full-time ministry now for almost 30 years. Wow. So, um, And I just keep hearing the same thing. This is funny. So I I went on a a trip with a group of students just this past January, college students. And this was when the book had already kind of been published. It was set to release in about a month. So I wasn't going to change anything. But I just asked them some of the same questions. I was at a 15-passenger van with 12 college students. And I said, (laughs) hey, tell me about your bags. And all of the exact same stuff came out. Uh, it was really pretty amazing. Okay, so tell me about the common theme of what comes out from these people when they unpack their bags. And again, if you're just joining us, Chris Sasser uh, in ministry and wrote the ba- the book Bags to Help Your Kids Lighten the Load. So what was the common theme? So eight common bags that I identified. And I certainly know that you know these, these aren't, uh, this is not exhaustive of all the emotional baggage that, that we pack as we go through life. But again, just the things that I heard the most and the things that I've observed in ministry. But there's relational bags. And uh, relational bags you know, have, have a number of layers. I mean, of course, we e- even though some of us have great relationships with our parents, there's still some relational baggage there. I often heard from young adults, you know, I love my parents, but. And they would kind of just talk about some sadness or uh, hurt or disappointment around, you know, their relationship with their parents. There's relational baggage that gets packed with siblings. You know, if there's more than one child in the house, and you probably know this better than most, Mm -hmm. you know, there are sibling rivalries that we as parents have to pay attention to. And we can either add fuel to the sibling rivalry or we can diffuse it in specific things that we do. Um, There's uh, relational baggage with peers that these kids are packing every single day that is accentuated by the social media and all of the things that they kind of watch happen in life. So there's relational bags, there's performance bags uh, in school, performance in sports, performance in your family, that, you know, live up to the family name, whatever that means. There's mm-hmm. performance kind of do socially, again, on social media. There's identity and belonging baggage, like who am I? <laughs> who are my people? Where's, what's, where's my tribe? Where do I fit? Right. Uh, why do I matter in life? Um, there's authority baggage that, you know, kind of kids are asking, who, who gets to be in charge of me? And that factors into their faith. And, and do they see God as an authority mm-hmm. in their life? 
there's comparison baggage where, you know, again, it starts with, with siblings if they're there, but quickly they're comparing themselves to their peers um, in, in sports and academically and, and comparing themselves to the world now by what they see on social media. There's rejection baggage where they get rejected from, you know, the teams or, or a group or a club at school, yeah. certainly rejection from their peers. Uh, there's guilt and shame baggage. And oftentimes that revolves around decisions that they've made in their life. And, and quite honestly, it's often around sexual choices and sexual decisions. There's just such guilt and shame there. And then um, I finish up with a disappointment bag, which is, is a lot of kids growing up nowadays, because we as parents have just sheltered them in some ways so much, they kind of never learn how to fail. Yeah. And they never learn how to deal with disappointment. So they get you know to to that first job, and somehow they're disappointed in their first job, and they're they're they don't know what to do. And so uh, they and have to learn how to. It's interesting you say that because my husband hires a lot of millennials, and oh, yeah. they get their feelings hurt, and they'll quit. Yes. And I would I get my feelings hurt when my, I kept my jobs in high school and college seven years, then my next job eleven years, then my next job eleven years, now this job ten years. So I started working right. like as a teenager, and you know how many times my feelings were hurt, and that's four blocks of work that went on all for the like time. A, yes. And so, right, and a boss that even is like one wouldn't even look up from his cell phone when I came in to speak to him. He just like I was completely worthless to him, right. and I did not quit. And so I don't right. get this. My feelings are hurt. I'm quitting. We have learned taught our kids how to f- fail to success, and that there's a lot of little failures in reaching that success. And I was reading an article recently, and I've talked about it on the show about how parents need to teach their kids to fail because it's just going to be part of life. Absolutely. And I, I know you, we've talked about helicopter parents for a long time, but you've probably heard the term lawnmower parent or snowplow parent. No. Um, and, and well, that's what a lot of parents have, have transitioned into is they just they're going to be the lawnmower parent. They're going to mow the lawn in front of their kids. So it's easy, nice, clean grass to walk on instead of uh, they're kind of paving the way for their kid instead of letting their kid pave the way for themselves. And so you know, a lot of times kids just don't know how to deal with this disappointment that they face in life. So those are the eight bags. The book is uh, kind of an introductory chapter. Then there's uh, one chapter on each bag, and in, in the chapters on the bags, it talks about here's what the bag is, uh, a little section on what might happen to your kid if they pack that bag, uh-huh. and then what I'm hoping is the most helpful part of the book is um, a, a part where in each bag, I kind of just give some practical suggestions, tips, things you can do every day to be able to, to possibly help your kid not pack that bag. It's, it's about awareness. And preventive maintenance, again, not so that our kids are perfect when they're in their young adult years, but just maybe their load is a little bit lighter. Now, what are you seeing is a common theme among these kids in terms of what they wish their parents may have done differently? I did interview <laughs> another young pastor, or pastor, pardon me, who dealt with young people, and he said, surprisingly, a lot of the kids wish that they would have had more boundaries to protect themselves from themselves and from the peer pressure, because more boundaries would have protected them from doing some of the things they felt pressured into and didn't really have, they felt, a way out of. What are you seeing is a common theme that these young people are telling you they wish their parents would or wouldn't have done? I'll totally affirm what you just said right there. Actually, was a part of a parent seminar last night to where it was a conversation around vaping and how a lot of kids are vaping nowadays and how some parents have decided to, to do a weekly drug test for their kids. And that is a boundary. And it also it gives the kid an out right. to tell their friends, I'm not going to do this because I'm going to get drug tested. And so it, it, it just gives them an easy out with their friends. But I'll tell you the other thing that um, 
there was a study done recently by a group called Axis, and it kind of asked a similar question to what you just asked me. You know, what kids wish their parents would be would do differently, and what what most kids say nowadays is they wish their parents would put the device away oh. themselves. The parents put it away. Right? The parents put it away. Um, and what what I think they're 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 craving connection and relationship. And one of the ways I've been saying it recently that as a parent, I think what we have to provide for our kids is connection over content. So we're good at providing content. Here's how you tie your shoe. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do that. And we kind of get into a mechanical relationship with our kids because you got to get up and you got to you know, eat breakfast and go to school and do your homework and all the things kind of we, we give them content along the way. What I think they're really craving is connection. And so what are, what are the ways that we as parents can maybe uh, lighten up a little bit on the content mm-hmm. and, and, and step into the connection and the relationship. Because as you know, Angie, you can't speak into the life of someone you don't have a relationship with. So true. I mean, I had a wise mentor say to me, you know, uh, years ago that one of his goals um, as a parent was to have a relationship with his kids when they were in their 20s. Because that's when the influence is really going to be important. Of course, the influence is important as they're younger, but the decisions they are making as they get older, and you're probably right in the middle of this, are just more consequential in a lot of ways. And so what I want, I want to have a relationship with my kids so that I can speak into their life in a different oh, way. And so a practical way to do that right now is put your phone away and be with your kids. <laughs> that is so good. Parents, put your phone away. Again, Chris Sasser, author of Bags, Help Your Kids Lighten the Load. Do you have a website for us, Chris? I do. I have actually two. One is for the book itself. It's called, uh, it's www.thebagsbook.com. That's thebagsbook.com. You can Get some more information about the bag there. You can um, actually order the book from there. There's also a workbook that you can oh, only cool. get. From okay, there. quickly, the last one. Kind of walk through it. Um, and then the last one is www.equipandencourage.com, just where some articles are up to equip and encourage parents. We'll have you back. Thank you so much, Chris Sasser. Thanks, Angie. You just bought a new car, and it's everything you dreamed of and more, but it's not. You have so many memories with your old car, it almost feels like a family member. So, you want to make sure it goes to a good home. You'll feel comfortable knowing that when you donate your car to ARC Thrift Stores, you're giving to a good cause. You can donate anything with wheels, even motorcycles. And when you donate your vehicle, you get a tax deduction. It feels good to give back. As you say farewell to your old vehicle, Rest assured that your donation is making a difference by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities live on their own and have jobs. Donate your car to ARC Thrift Stores today. Visit arcthrift.com for more information about the car donation program. That's arcthrift.com where your good memories of that old car can become new ones for people with disabilities. Broomfield is listening to the Mighty 670. KLT Denver. Hey friend, Angie Austin here uh, with the good news. Uh, Coming up, we're going to have a guest joining us about uh, Nurses Appreciation Week. And she uh, was right in the trenches during the COVID pandemic in New York City. And we'll share a little bit about her experience and uh, how uh, nurses are being honored right now and how we can support them. But I wanted to start off the show with um, kind of a parenting thing. I think I told you that I recently interviewed a... uh, uh, a therapist about you know we I, I've admitted to you we we are kind of 
of a yelling family, and I don't think that's good, especially since my son's going through so much at high school. And, you know, I've told you all about that. It's just been really a tough year. And, uh, you know, eating alone sometimes in the lunchroom at a school of 3,000 and just trying to find his place after being uh, remote learning last year where he didn't meet anyone at his high school his freshman year and then had to start off this year trying to make friends and meet people. It's been, I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you, just brutal. So um, I think yelling at home, it just adds more stress to the kids when they're already stressed out at school with their grades and all, all the things that they need to do. They're so busy, you know, with homework and sports, etc. They don't want to pull them from the sports because they love the sports. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, sometimes that's what's kind, what kind of gets them through. So I found this article. Oh, so the therapist I interviewed said, check in with your kids and on that thermometer that goes from green, yellow, orange, red, like where are they? And so when I check in with my son, he's often yellow, just kind of a little stressed, a little anxious. Um, my daughter, Hope, is pretty joyful. She's green a lot, but she can go to red in like uh, 10 seconds. Uh, she's like so joyful, but she wears her emotions on her sleeve. So she can go to red and green, like literally within a minute, she, I can calm her down but I'm, I'm like used to her hot temper and hot cooling off like the kid the kid has no grudge she forgives immediately she doesn't hold on to anything but boy she can whew, she can get hot fast and then my littlest one my little 13 year old attorney uh she's pretty level-headed but you know she's a little bit of a she talks back a little bit and I've gotten five notes from school this year about her talking back which kind of surprises me because we really try to raise our kids to be respectful that's really important to us so I've been a little disappointed it was her art teacher and her PE teacher I mean I don't know what's so stressful about art and how you'd get into it with your art teacher but she's like I'm not good at art and she doesn't understand and I'm like well you don't have to be like a Vincent Van Gogh to be good at art. You can have like your own take on it, right? So anyway, the yelling. My husband's probably the biggest yeller in the family, although my mom's kind of a medium yeller. She's got a super hot temper and she lives with us. I yell sometimes. I'm less likely to raise my voice than my husband. And then, of course, the kids yell. So I found this article uh, because therapist Lisa, who used to join us on the show all the time. In fact, I, I think I'll get her back. She's so fun. Therapist Lisa says, when yelling starts, listening stops. They don't hear you when you're yelling, especially kids with those brains of the teenagers where it's like they have fireworks going off in their brains. It's just there's so much going on in there with all the hormones and the changes and the growing. So this is from uh, Parents uh, Magazine, parents.com. Uh, six reasons why yelling at kids doesn't actually work, and maybe you don't yell. And I'm, it doesn't work in any relationship. Uh, verbal discipline is a slippery slope that can have lasting negative effects on you and your child. Experts share why it won't get you the behavior you want and how you can react instead of yelling because you know nobody likes to be yelled at it's demeaning it can be embarrassing especially if it's in public and can be frightening for like little kids and uh, most parents are guilty of you know raising our voices more often than sometimes we mean to and unpacking why we yell and how yelling affects our kids and our, any relationship if you ask me may be helpful information to have the next time your three-year-old throws his plate across the kitchen or your teenager talks back or like last night when my um my husband told my son you know to come back and get in the room so he could talk to him and my, my, my son stood outside the door and wouldn't come in. Yes, the, raises, the voice, voices got raised. Now, I'm okay with the voice getting raised to like get their attention, but then it should go back down to a fairly normal, like kind of stern tone, but not that, you know, angry, you know, screaming tone. 
<clears throat> and I'll be honest with you, the ones the ones who scream the most, I mean, I'll with my mom, my mom and I, like when she goes after my kids, I am livid because as you know, I didn't have a good childhood. My kids have a great childhood. Well, there's the yelling, but I mean, they have everything they could ever want and so much love and so many opportunities. So when my mom goes after them and gets nasty, then I do yell at her. So I'm, I'm right in there. Uh, people yell because it's their go-to response when they're angry, says MD Joseph Schrand, an instructor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. Well, he would know. And he's the author of Outsmarting Anger, Seven Steps for Defusing Our Most Dangerous Emotion, which is anger. Uh, The doctor notes that there's nothing wrong with feeling anger. It's what we do with that anger that matters. And so that's why I've been checking in with the kids and doing that thing where I'm like, you know, just checking in. Where are you? And then my son's like, oh, green, yellow. I'm green a lot. It takes me a little bit more to get angry now. And then I'm older. I'm a little bit more chill. And since my husband's not chill, like I react with being, I try to be the, the the more chill one. So the doctor goes on to say, anger, after all, is a common emotion felt whenever we wish things were different. We feel anger because we wish our child would stop doing something or start doing something. And with us, it's generally grades and school and whether or not they're studying enough and whether or not their grades are good enough. And I'm not talking A's. We're fine with B's and C's. We're not, you know, over the top. I was a straight A student, but I've realized that's not the number one priority for my kids. Okay, so number one, kids can't learn in fight or flight mode. And that goes right back to what therapist Lisa said, that when yelling starts, listening stops. And I totally agree with that. Um, there's a psychologist in this um, in this article, uh, the psychologist, uh, Laura Mark- Markham, PhD. She is the author of Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, How to Stop Yelling and Start Connecting. I have to tell you, it has totally worked for me with my son. Like after last night when the yelling between my son and my husband, I went up to his room. He was so calmed down. We talked for a while. I stayed in there like 10 minutes. I was at the end of his bed, you know, chilling out on a pillow. All of the pets followed me in and he was petting the dog and petting the cats and just connecting with him while we were talking. And I was trying to explain uh, what his dad was. I said, look, I agree with what your dad wants from you. I don't, I I use a little bit different approach, but uh, we're on the same page as far as what we want from you guys. So like that was all like, yes, this is how it goes. Uh, Yelling makes our children feel devalued. That's the number two uh, no-no. I totally agree with that. It just, it demeans them. Yelling fuels anxiety, depression, and lower self-esteem. I've definitely seen with the way that my son is treated at school. He used to be so... Uh, confident and he was like swimmer of the year at his year-round swim team like four or five years in a row he's got medals all over his wall he played baseball he played basketball and now he doesn't want to go to the gym he's not interested in school he's not interested in a lot of things so it's not just the yelling but I think the yelling does add more anxiety and I do feel his self-esteem has been lowered because of the way he's treated at school and sometimes bullied and when he gets yelled at at home those don't help so I've really worked on bonding with him Um, bond Here's another one. Bonds are broken by yelling. I totally agree. After he got, he just dad got into it the other night, and that's common for teenage boys and dads. He said, "I'm just done with it with dad. I I just can't with dad. I don't even want to go to. I've gotten them to go to games together, like um, you know, basketball games, and they're going to some Rockies games, and they really enjoy being together in that way. And he goes, I don't even want to go to the games with him now because it breaks bonds. And I'm not saying be a wimpy parent because your kids don't like discipline. I'm just saying that in our family, at least, we're learning to do it in a more calm manner that doesn't 
cause them like emotional harm or, you know, he's my, my husband is very level headed in how he wants to parent. He just gets mad. Uh, yellers model poor communication skills. And so I totally agree with that. We're not teaching our kids to have good communication skills. And then it gives us a bunch of things we can do instead of yelling, like count backwards, uh, shake out your hands, say as little as possible until you calm down, take deep breaths. We'll get into this more, but I want to introduce our next guest. They're changing gears a little bit. Each year during the second week of May, we recognize National Nurses Week to celebrate the many contributions of these special caregivers. And in a sponsored interview today, we're specifically honoring nurses of color. Joining us today is Helen Helena Faustin, a registered nurse, cookbook author, and creator of the blog That Nurse Can Cook. And she's kicking off a special campaign. She's partnered with Band-Aid Brand to help honor nurses of color. Welcome, Nurse Helena Faustin, who also was right in the midst of the COVID fight in New York City. Welcome, Helena. Oh, thank you, Angie. You are welcome. So let's just talk, first of all, just why is it so important to honor nurses? Well, it's important to honor nurses because we're on the front lines of the pandemic. And I know speaking for myself, a lot of us pulled in those grueling 12-hour shifts. And I worked in New York at the epicenter of the pandemic and providing care for others for 12 hours straight and then coming home and still having to provide care for our own families was incredibly stressful. So I'm so thankful to be partnering with Band-Aid Brand because they're committed to helping relieve those added stressors that Black nurses are facing at home. Let's uh, talk a little bit more about the Band-Aid program. Sure. Uh, Band-Aid Brand is furthering its support of the National Black Nurses Association, or NBNA, and the goal is to help alleviate those stress of those everyday tasks and responsibilities that await us when we get home. I know for me, I have a husband, I have two kids, and when I come home, it always seems like the chores were never ending. So they've established the Band-Aid Brand's Our Tone Nurses Recharge Fund as a way to help us delegate some of those I love the idea of, uh, you know, bandages in general. Okay, we use Mm -hmm. a ton because we have a family of six. So I bring them everywhere. Yeah, every vacation I have to pack them. You know, I have to keep them where the kids can find them. And we've got all kinds of different, you know, designs. So what is the story behind bandages? Well, Band-Aid brand has established a line of bandages called Our Tone. And it's made from the brand's most popular flexible fabric. And the reason why I love it so much is because it comes in shades of brown and it embraces the beauty of diverse skin tones. I know for me, I cook a lot. So when I get my knives back and they're incredibly sharp, it's almost always inevitable that I'm going to end up cutting myself. Mm -hmm. So now that um, there's a line of bandages that blend in with my skin, it's not so much a sight for sore eyes anymore. And I just love it so much. That's pretty cool. Or let's talk about, Mm -hmm. you mentioned, you know, being in New York during the pandemic, and I'm sure you saw a lot of people really burning out and also the mental Mm -hmm. aspect of the despair of seeing patients, you know, pass away. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about some of these challenges nurses, you know, are facing in healthcare in general. Right. Well, in addition to facing burnout, because it was just so stressful, we're also in the midst of a critical nursing shortage. Mm. And we could definitely feel the pinch, like the resources are hard to come by, nurses are hard to come by. And the American Nurses Association actually predicted that by the year 2030, we're going to need an extra 1.2 million nurses. So I'm so thankful um, that Band-Aid Brand is building on their existing commitment and support of the black nursing community. And they've made a multi-year commitment of $300,000 in scholarships to the NBNA and the foundation of the National Student Nurses Association. And what that's going to do is help increase representation and contribute to more equity, because I love to see a lot more diversity on the front lines of nursing. Now, in terms of, uh, that's wonderful, by the way. So in terms of your experience there, um, if you could give us like a, you know, 
a 30 second or minute explanation of what your experience mm-hmm. was like and, you know, and how you feel about, you know, health care. Um, my family, we're all vaccinated. And I know that's been very controversial. Mm-hmm. How, right. how was your experience in New York, if you could just tell somebody in like a minute what it was like? Sure. Well, when the entire world shut down, it was so scary. I mean, I was literally the only car on the road for miles. And it wow. just felt like everyone was sheltering in and you were going out to battle this beast. And so little was known back then about its transmission and the ways to prevent it. And we were really just doing all that we could. And I'm a NICU nurse, so my role was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I had to attend the births of high-risk moms and watching them being separated from their babies oh. was just so gut wrenching. But you know what? I'm proud to say that we are now moving in the right direction. And now that we know a lot more about the virus and how it's transmitted and the ways we can protect ourselves, hopefully we're looking forward to a brighter future. Oh, man, that just sounds like a wild experience. I remember once being um, a reporter for a hurricane and looking out over Miami and not seeing anyone. So I can imagine in such a big metropolis. Very scary. Yeah, it is. scary. Yes, it's so scary. That's why I'm so thankful uh, for Band-Aid brand there. Also, I do want to tell you this. They're partnering with um, artist Raina Noriega, and they've created a custom line of thank you cards to celebrate healthcare heroes. And I want your listeners to head over to Band-Aid Brand's Instagram page because this week they're going to be rolling out those custom thank you cards. So when you see them, share them with a nurse in your life just to thank them for all that we do. And Nurses Week is like our week to shine. Excellent. And is there a website, Helena, where we can go for more information as well? Sure. Head over to bandaid.com and they'll also be providing a lot more information um, at their Instagram account. And you can learn more about the Our Tone Nurses Recharge Fund that's going to help us delegate some of those tasks. Excellent, Helena. And thank you uh, for all you've uh, done for others and continue to do for others. Thank you so much for having me, Angie. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.